Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvroski. On this week's episode, we welcome the president of Dentsu Quebec to the show, Jean-Vievre Gay. With Jean-Vievre, we talk about inclusion, we talk about empathetic leadership, and we talk about applying radical honesty to your business. Now, Susan and I would like to offer you something. If you have any leadership questions or mindset questions or performance questions, we'd love to answer those on the show. And so what we would ask from you is to go to Apple, leave us a rating and review, and in the review, put your question. Put your question in the review. One is it helps us with Apple rankings. Two is we'd love to have those and we'll answer those on the show in an upcoming episode. So definitely go to Apple, leave us a rating and review, drop your question in there and we'll answer it on the show. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. Tell your colleagues and friends about the show, any leaders in your life that would benefit from this, definitely definitely, definitely tell them to subscribe to the show too. And lastly, if you want to hear more about what we offer, you can go to EliteHighPerformance.com slash leadership and hear more about the show. Sign up for the newsletter. If you want to hear more about what Susan offers, you can go to EliteHighPerformance.com and all her services and coaching is there. And if you want to learn about what I offer, you can go to RobsReliability.com and hit me up there. Anything there for maintenance, reliability, consulting, coaching, or leadership services. So thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Jean-Vive Gay. We are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. And as always, we have our in-house leadership mindset coach and former Princeton Tiger, Susan oh, Hobson. that was going to happen. We had, to, we had to throw that in there. Susan, how are you? I threw that down the middle for you. I'm excellent as always, Rob. Thank you so much for that wonderful, uh, memorable introduction. It's always nice to jump back in the time machine and remember how it felt to be a Princeton Tiger. It just gets me right into that performance state. So thank you. That's right. And and I always have to think about the time that I played at Princeton and you guys have like a beautiful pool and you have a big jumbotron. And literally I was locked up with a guy wrestling and I could look up at the jumbotron and know where the ball was behind me without oh turning my around. God. And I was like, I that's like badass. That's right. This was yeah. the dream. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's one of the nice uh, things about playing down in the States at these fancy schools, right? Is they are hooked up to the nines with the technology and all that sort of thing. So we've always wanted to play on TV. And and yeah. on that note, we have a special guest. Uh Jean-Vievre Gay is here with us. Jean-Vievre, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you. I could hear you talk for all day. I've been learning stuff already. Uh oh, <laughs> that's not a that's good thing. That's how we do. That's <laughs> how I know do. Susan's nickname, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> What's my nickname? Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, good. I'm like, uh oh, is this what I've heard or not heard? Feel free oh. to drop that one into the podcast. We won't take it out. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So Jen, for everyone listening, like you're going to be new to, to most of them. Like, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and like who you are, what you do and like, why is leadership important to you? Sure, sure. So Geneviève, as you will see probably throughout the podcast, I go by Jen. It's way easier for, for everyone. And as you could hear from the lovely accent, uh, English is my second language. I'm actually born and raised out of Quebec, Montreal. I'm I'm now living in Toronto. So I'm uh, actually professionally, I work in advertising, um, more specifically in the media industry. Uh, I've been working for a company that is called Dentsu. And it's interesting, I'm a bit of a lifer there. So I've been working for the same company for 16 years. Um, and it's not that I'm risk avoidant. Actually, uh, I've been growing with the company as it has uh, grown. So started out of Montreal, we were 100 employee. Um, and over the last 16 years, actually through acquisition, we broadened our scope, we acquired new company, we really became a global network. And now in Canada, we're uh, 1400. Uh, and I'm the CEO of one of this company. So um, I'm actually overseeing a media brand. Um, and I'm also uh, very involved in the Quebec market, uh, really making sure that our offering all comes together. And, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here to talk about leadership. I have the pleasure to know Susan for a few years. We I think we said two. Um, and I feel like I'm learning on leadership every day. And, and, and I think that that's what I appreciate about leadership. It's not something that you have. It's something that you have to nurture. And, and I think just for the people who are listening to the podcast, just showing interest in leadership shows that you're in the right path. So really happy to be with you. Amen to that, sister. This is why I was so excited about this interview. I couldn't wait to have you on the show, Jen. We've known each other almost two years. And I got to say, what I love about you is like, you came through my door almost two years ago. And I knew exactly right away that you were like embodying leadership 2.0 in the world. Like, yes, you were there to level up your mindset strategies. Yes, a lot of that was like working on, you know, really what was going on in your own lane. But it was specifically because you were so passionate to really own your role in your own lane so that you could really play your biggest impact game for your people. So I know we're going to hear all about that today, but let's just start out real high level. What does leadership mean to you? It's it's interesting that you speak about like when I walk into your office, I, I do feel that there's a portion of me that naturally has it. I think what I've learned through you is, is actually what does it mean and how do you embody it? And for me, leadership is, it's more of an attitude than a role. Like we often say, like there's this person is in a leadership role. I actually mm-hmm. doesn't believe in this. Like mm-hmm. you're in a managerial role and it requires leadership skill right. to succeed. But like I, I really feel that leadership is is actually more of an attitude. I think I think for me, leadership is I would say it's the ability to rally different people. Um I love and that. create like different interests towards one direction and one common goal. And, and I think it's it's also about creating a safe environment uh, where people can truly be themselves, where, where they can be comfortable. It, it's interesting. I, I kind of see that for me, leaders are clearing the obstacle throughout the way, as opposed mm. to just set the direction. 
And we often refer as leadership as like, you need to set the vision. It's always, I, there's always an analogy with a compass, like you said the direction and, and I, I kind of disagree with it. I think, I think leadership is also making sure that you're there throughout the journey. And, and I think as leader, our role is really to clear the obstacle. And for me, one thing that I often say to my team that are leaders as well, I fundamentally believe that a good leader is also someone who can be a good follower. Mm -hmm. So leader is not just about setting the direction. I think leadership sometimes is deciding that you should follow. So it's, it's being able to manage those two aspects. I absolutely love that description. And so how would you describe your style and your approach to being able to actually do that for your people? Because obviously you get it, right? Like leadership is a collaborative experience. You know, we talk a lot about uh, in Leadership 2.0 how it's really about impact versus influence, right? And it's really impact because it's like you're really there to help that person realize their potential to really make sure that you're optimizing the condition so that they can really maximize and realize their potential. So how would you describe your approach to doing this? Because obviously you agree. Yeah, I think I think my style is really about being inclusive. Uh, you, like if you want to realize your potential, First, the first step is you have to give a place for people for being seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Susan, you always say that to me, and I really, really embrace this. So I, I actually am quoting you here. Um, but, but I feel like I proud myself to really embrace the diversity of thoughts and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that is done on, on purpose. I, I believe in diverse background. Mm-hmm. Because a diverse background is actually giving you perspective. Uh, and I think this is this is what you need. And, and I think from my leadership style, to answer your question, I'm someone who likes perspective. Um, and I like to be challenged because I, I think there's a lot of value in it. I so, know that so, to be true about you, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> well, you I do challenge you. me a lot. So. <laughs> I know. You, you, let, you, you allow me to step into that role with you, right? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So I think you've said it, but it's for me, it's a bit of empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the word authenticity is sometimes overused, but I think in leadership, you have to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think my style, if you were to ask my team, I think they would probably tell you that I'm sincerely enthusiastic. Like, yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm not lying. That's, that's just who I am. And, and I think there's yeah. a sense of, I know using the word contagion in a time of pandemic is probably not the right oh, word, yeah. but uh, I, I, I like the energy to be something that you pass along. Yeah. Um, and you have to be authentic for it to convey the right message. And I don't think you can just fake it. Um, Mm. So I would say that's a bit of who I am. And I think what you see is what you get. That's what what I love about you. And it's so interesting, right, Rob? Because we talk so much about this on our podcast, the importance of vulnerable leadership. And we just, we see that in, in the work. I see that for sure. in the work that I do with leaders is just how hard it is for them to really step up and and lead in an authentic, vulnerable way, right? So I'm curious for you to help our audience understand exactly what it is that has empowered you to be able to do that with your people. Yeah, well, if I want to be honest, I don't think I know how to be different. 
So <laughs> it's not like it's a skill that I've I have acquired. I think I think there's a lot of instinct. Yeah. In this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it interesting, Susan, because you speak about vulnerability and, and through my work with you, I think my definition of vulnerability has evolved. Mm-hmm. So I, I think at, at first the word vulnerability for me was almost tied to like melting down and like letting people see the weaknesses. But, and it's not that I, I really believe that vulnerability is, is very linked to authenticity. Um, and vulnerability is not always showing when it's, it's really showing when it goes well and when it goes wrong. And it's, it's sharing how you feel. And that goes back to the empathy. Um, you cannot be empathetic to people, but don't let them be empathetic towards yourself. And, and, and I think that's, that's for me, it's my style of leadership is it's a two way street. And, and I don't think leadership is something that is just a one-way street. So, like, I, I, I think I'm lucky that I had lots of leaders that inspired me and that mm-hmm. made me feel comfortable and made me feel seen. Mm-hmm. And that's probably now what let me be that person for the people that I collaborate with. And, yeah, I think they, they are inspiring me as much as I hope I inspire them. Like when you talk about like inclusion and diversity, I think a lot of people are just going to relate that to just basically hiring practices and like the different looks and backgrounds of people who walk in the door. Like how are you actually fostering that environment in the workplace? Yeah, that's that's actually such a good point. For me, diversity is everything. And, and I agree there's like diversity and, and inclusion and hiring practice, but it's also understanding people's strengths and weaknesses. Like you have people that are more extrovert and in a group, they will take all the place. But I fundamentally value the perspective of the introvert who would Mm -hmm. see everything happen and would most of the time summarize it in like a one statement. And you're like, where were you in the last two hours? Right. And, And I actually value this and and like I, I work a lot with my team to do a lot of like strength analysis and understanding what are the strengths of everyone. And for me, when I say diversity is diversity from a background perspective, like if everyone has been in the same school and in my field have all learned marketing, there's a likelihood that we all will come with the same solution. And our job is to actually drive more different solution for our clients. So I want people that have totally different background. I just hired someone who has a background in anthropology. And this is fascinating. Like the take that this person has on the world is absolutely different. So that's what I mean, I think, by diversity. And I also mean that I don't want everyone to be the same person. And and I think it's a leadership style to give people a voice. Um, and actually acknowledge that everyone can be unique and they all contribute to the greater good of the organization. So that's that's my definition of inclusion. I love it. And it's something that like we've talked about in, in my industry specifically, just around the the basically the the population of men. Like where I come from, we're 90-ish percent men, and the background is very and I think 66% white men. So it's like wow. very s- skewed in one direction. 
And you do see very limiting beliefs in terms of like how things are run, how people are seen and like what you mentioned about being seen at work and, and like mm-hmm. valuing people as people and all these things. Like we've talked about it before on this show, but it's mm-hmm. not a thing. And even my manager said to me yesterday, he said to me, like, feelings are not a thing. Like how I feel, uh, it doesn't matter. It's about the data around this project. Like how oh does it actually work? And like, that's, that's how it works, you know? And, and that, that's kind of how we're, why we're here, right? Is, is we're trying to break that down to see like, this is where you're losing people. When yeah, you and I that- find it fascinating because it's it's not just in leadership. Like there's a trend right now. We 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 hear a lot about the echo chamber, and like we yeah. see it like through your Facebook feed with your algorithm that will tend to show you things that will you will react to and all of it. And mm-hmm. it's very close to the work that I do because I work in media, so I kind of know the details of it. Mm-hmm. And I find it very scary and dangerous. Like I want to see opinions that are not my opinion because it will influence my own opinion. And, and I think we, as human being, we have to have this. And if it's true for the social network and if it's true for media in general, mm-hmm. it's true for organization. That's the only way you can evolve. And we're seeing it right now with COVID. Like we need to change. Like clearly there's... There's room for change right now. So yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that it's different in different fields. Well, when you talk about COVID there and like what, things needing to change, like what has COVID done for you as a leader and then what needs to change out of it? It's, I feel like I'm learning something new every day on this. So ask me the question in one week and I might totally change my mind, but We'll have to have you back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like there's the uncertainty. And as, as people leader, in the past, you would try to reassure people. That was like your coping mechanism. It's really about reassuring. I, I feel right now you have to be cautious with that because you don't want to promise something that you actually don't control. And, and I know I had a tendency to do this in the past. And I got caught because <laughs> I was like, damn, I promised something that I actually cannot control. Mm-hmm. So, so for me is, is, is how do you build a connection where there's a sense of trust while still not always having the solution, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's something new. It's something that I've acquired. It's, it's also how do you really develop real meaningful connection in a world that is fully remote and if I take it from a professional perspective, I would say probably 90% of my team, we were working together pre-COVID. Now we're at a point where there's a 10% that I've actually never met. Like we've always talked through a screen. So how do you really build that sense of trust um, when you don't have that? It's very different action. It's a different way of behaving. And And I find it interesting, like my learning of this week, I realized that my team feel that they're constantly interrupted, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fair because I think with the technology right now, like you're ping on your cell phone, you're ping like Mm -hmm. everywhere and you run from one meeting to the other. And it's just like, it's craziness. And and I think when I say like, or hear people and let them being seen, on this, I've I've started to say, you know what? Everyone, you book two hours in your agenda a day. I don't care when it when it is. 
but you have to spend time that is not in uninterrupted. So, so I think as, as business, we need to evolve the way we're doing. We need to like culture is no longer about being together. Culture is about accepting that a lot of people will have different needs. Amen, sister. I, that's really the mission that we're on, right? Rob is like, we see all this massive disruption in the world as the opportunity to really help expose the cracks in the foundation. Cause that's really what's happening. It's all rise. The cream is rising to the top for us to see. And I think that's what I want to dig into next with you is just where do you see based on everything that you just described and everything that you have distilled and everything that you're learning, right. In terms of what all this disruption has revealed to you as a leader, where do you see the biggest opportunities for growth based on all of that, you know, situational contextual feedback? Yeah. It's a good question. Because <laughs> there's uh, so many, right? It's like yeah. I can see your brain filtering, filtering. I've learned so many lessons, and I know you have because that's obviously what we talk about and dig into in our sessions. But, yeah, where do you see the biggest opportunity, though, from a, like a, a leadership standpoint? I think the biggest opportunity, and, and it's obviously personal to me, but I think it's it's true for many leader is – I think we, as leaders in the world, we need to understand that we, we, we read a lot about empathy. Like when I said, like my leadership style is about empathy, mm-hmm. I swear there's probably 90% of the people that you will have on this podcast that will mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what personally I want to grow in is empathy and caring doesn't mean to protect people all the time. I think true empathy is is sometimes to have the courage to have difficult conversation. Yeah, speak on that. We need to hear about that because that is absolutely true. It's so uncomfortable and it's even more uncomfortable remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you, if you're committed to help someone grow, and that's my commitment to my team, that's what I say to them all the time, my role is to make you grow. Uh, it actually means that you have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have to say, like, I, I think my leadership has evolved because I had a tendency when I was younger to really just protect my people. And I was mama bear. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't touch them. Like mm-hmm. I would be there for them and I would promise them thing. But I realized that as I was growing myself and I was moving to a new role or moving to a new division, the people mm-hmm. that I was leaving behind were not ready to take on new challenges because I had shield them and protect them. Mm-hmm. And I think as leader, it's our role to make sure that you, you build the independence, you build them for the new challenge. And sometimes it means having very difficult conversations. Sometimes it means asking them, are you sure you're on the right seat? Yeah. And it like, it happened to me. There's someone at one point in my life who were like, are you sure this is what you want? And it actually like, he was right. And it changed my journey. And, mm-hmm. But it took a lot of trust. And I highly respect that person because he had the courage to just tell me what was not necessarily mm-hmm. what I wanted to hear at the time. So I, I do feel that this is a mission as a, what you call the 2.0 leadership, which I like. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I think that's such an important conversation. That's grounded empathy, what you just described, right? Which is where a lot of heart-centered leaders, they, they, they oftentimes don't understand what that means, right? They come from such a space and place in their heart where they care about people so much, which I always say is a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. It's your superpower. But I think it's critical when you really step back and you think about what you're saying leadership is, which is you are there to help that person maximize their potential. You're there to help them grow. So that means that you you have to show up in a space where you're willing to challenge them if that means it's going to be best for their growth. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to challenge on this podcast. Right, Rob, or people's associations, even with the word challenge or the word feedback, right, or the word honesty or vulnerability, because often people, oftentimes people don't understand that that actually is what's required at certain stages along the way. And I think in order to get to the point where you can challenge, there's work to do ahead of this. This is where going back to what I was saying earlier on, you need to create a safe space. Because mm -hmm. once this is established and the trust is there, it makes it way more like it's easier to challenge because mm -hmm. the person will know where you're coming from. Yeah. So, like it's mm -hmm. not a switch that you turn on and off. I feel like mm -hmm. you need to build something mm -hmm. before you get to those conversations. What's the something? Give us the something, Jen, because this is something that is definitely always on the queue when you walk through my door. And it's something that we've talked a lot about before, right? Just the importance of that rapport and, and trust because it's like a drawbridge for your level of impact, right? For you to be able to actually get into somebody's experience where you can actually affect it, right? From a growth perspective. I think a lot of leaders, right, Rob, they struggle to actually understand how to create that safe place in a corporate setting. Like he was just saying with his boss, his boss was obviously not understanding how emotions kind of play into that whole trust and rapport piece. How do you create that? Uh, What's a good hack for our crowd, you know, just a quick hack to understand how to create that as a leader? Well, upstream. I go back to the inclusion and diversity in the sense of when you let people being seen, which means that you will give them a voice when they're not speaking out. You will reach out to say, like, are you OK? It's not. I think the proactivity creates mm -hmm. the sense of security. Mm -hmm. Um at least that's the way I do it because it opens the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult. Like uh, I am managing over 100 people. I cannot have the same uh, relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm. it, it would be insane. That said, it is my role to sometimes just ping someone and be, Hey, how are you? And just mm -hmm. create, like, it's your job as leader you cannot wait for them to reach out. Like I, most of the people will not reach out. Mm -hmm. um, and those who will reach out, they're already in a place where they're ready to hear everything. Yeah. So you have to reach out for the people who actually don't want to be seen. And you have yes, to let them know exactly. that actually I see you. Um, mm -hmm. And this is where, in my experience, you, you would be surprised. Because when they get seen, this is where they're like... They're going to follow you anywhere just because they're not used to that feeling of being seen. So I, I think that's that's how I do it. There's probably other ways to do it. That's brilliant already. I mean, just even that, guys, if you're listening, it's a real simple hack. Just care. 
Just care about <laughs> your people and just initiate showing them how much you care about them. Not only just that the results that they're producing from an output per- perspective, but what Jen is really crystallizing is care about them as human beings. But there's, there's a piece there, right? Like that's absolutely true. The, the other piece to it is like, you have to give a little bit of vulnerability to get there because I've literally had this conversation with a boss earlier in my career when I was depressed and like battling and he knew, and he like, he, he, I'm sure he knew. And he sat in front of me and he said like, Rob, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? And like, I didn't have the, there wasn't the rapport and the trust built enough for me to actually acknowledge or tell him that there was a problem. And I think like, that's the piece too, right? Is you can say, and I've been, and like what Jen is saying is like, having an open door policy is one thing. And like, but she's actually going into other people's places and saying like, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Like Mm -hmm. you have to also build that trust first Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're just going to get met with people like stone faced going who aren't authentic. Right. But Jen, you're Mm -hmm. doing both pieces, right? Yeah. But it's interesting because what what you're saying just made me think that like everything in life, you cannot just reach out to people when you actually need them. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Like everything. Like if, if you build something, the minute you need them, well, the likelihood for them to be ready to be there, like it's, it's nurturing. Like yeah. it's nurturing it. And, and I think that's probably what I like the most in my job. Like I, I actually really like this. Mama bear. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just now learning to with better strategies. Nature, <laughs> like <laughs> mama bear with better strategies is an unstoppable force in this world, and I just think it's so inspiring. Everything that you're laying down for our audience to understand today, eh, Rob? Yeah, and Jen, I'd like to dig a little more into the engagement piece. Like you're doing a lot of mm. things to build trust and to build rapport and to build psych safety. Like, are there any other things that you're doing to just bring your team together and get them fired up about your vision? Yeah, there's, I, I do, a, I do few things and um, I think I'm, I'm now full disclosure challenged by the remote work. Cause uh, I think everyone is just tired of being on zoom. And every time you propose a new zoom, people are like, seriously. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, so there's a few things that, that we're doing. Um, we're doing Coffee Connects, but we pair people randomly throughout the organization. And I'm part of this, so you can randomly uh, get with a coffee with me. So that's, that's one way to do it that is very informal, but also very informative. Um, I also... I, for me, it's extremely important that I recognize every birthday and every work anniversary. So I will use this as a reason to reach out. So it gives a framework for me to not forget um, and make sure that I've actually reached out to everyone. Um, and I, I also create a bit of milestone. Like there's, there's a vision that I try to share and update people on. Um, but I will also use a mechanism where I often do what it's a Q&A with my team, but they can ask anonymous question but the questions are showing up on a screen that they see, right? So it's not like I can avoid a question. Like every <laughs> question. Um, 
Which is interesting because when I started that, people tend to use the uh, anonymous function. And the more I'm doing this, the more people are now posting their name, which Ah. for me is is an interesting sign that people feel that the environment is safe enough that you can use your name. And and the answer is often way better when I know who asked the the question because it's personalized. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like uh, the Ray Dalio uh, runs one of the most successful hedge funds of all time. And he created a culture around radical honesty. And it's really interesting, like he would have board meetings and basically everyone would have a dial in front of them, similar to like those old school TV ratings where you could turn to the, I like this and turn to the, I disagree with this. Oh my gosh, I love that. The bullshit meter, right? Yeah, totally what I was thinking. Yeah, and like everybody had a rating in terms of also their expertise in whatever investment they were looking at. So like each person, and and then that's how they would talk about an investment is, is someone would talk about the investment, people would turn to agree or disagree and you could see the ratings on TV screens and you'd see people going to green or red. And basically based on like, if you agree or not agree and your rating is an expert in whatever investment, that's how they would make decisions. I and like it. yeah, it's smart. really interesting. Ga- wh- gamification, right? Yeah. And one of the things he said was like radical honesty. It's very uncomfortable for people for about three months. And then a switch will flip and it will be the best thing that people have ever done. And I thought it was just like really interesting in, in terms of like a systemized way, systematized way of, of applying this in real time to make decisions that was ultimately very successful. And what I like about this is that if you use radical honesty, and by the way, I'm going to steal that, mm-hmm. uh, is by default, everyone's going to become vulnerable. That's what I was thinking too. Be radically honest and not be vulnerable. It's impossible. So that's what we're going to start calling it. If vulnerability (laughs) is such a just such a challenging association in people's brains, I was using radical collaboration. So now I'm just going to add something to my radical. (laughs) I've got a couple of uh, leadership teams I work with who. There was a book called Radical Candor that was circulating last year, and it was pretty pretty popular. So I've had a couple of my leadership teams playing with with that theory. So I I, I definitely think it's a coming. Um, but if ever there was an important time to really embrace radical candor, radical honesty, vulnerability, all of this, it's now, right? Like, isn't that really what you're seeing? is more imperative than ever based on the fact that we're all at home. We're not sitting around the water cooler, right? Having those informal chit chats, which my leaders say is like typically where they could really calibrate if somebody was okay, or if they needed to sidestep and have a conversation because they didn't look like they're okay. They didn't have as much of that real-time feedback in terms of people's experience, right? And we always say here at the Leadership Launchpad Project that if you don't have that that real honest feedback from somebody's experience, then like you're dead in the water as a leader, right? Because you're never really going to see where those opportunities for growth or support lie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, we're, we're at a point where I think as we work from home, there's a lot of people that are also reassessing what, what are their priorities and like, like, do they still want to work in, that field or are they still happy and like Mm -hmm. I think what was happening when you work 
going to the office. There, there was a sense of routine and you're, you're just going. And it's, and, and I think now what happened is that we all stopped and it, it, it kind of put the light on the things that we were not really paying attention to. Oh, this is everything to me. You know, we talk about this in our sessions. It's like, I try, my, my day job is trying to get people to slow down, pump the brakes and think about what's really most important in their lives so that they can architect a life that is meaningful to them, right? And so that, because that really, in everything we're saying today for our audience out there, the authenticity is the path to realizing your peak potential, you know, showing up and playing your biggest impact game in the world really comes down to making sure that you actually can show up in a way that is reflective of your truth, right? In terms of the truth of who you really are. So I definitely see the silver lining in all this disruption. That's definitely one I'm, I'm very passionate about helping people to capitalize on, but I want to put this back into your court, Jen, and like, let's just help our audience distill. What do you think the top five priorities are for our leaders out there based on everything that you have talked about today in terms of everything you've learned in the disruption as a leader experientially? The things that we got to really make sure as, as 2.0 leaders that we are valuing most. Yeah. Um, or top three. If they can yeah, top three. Say, Sorry. Do the top three. <laughs> Sorry, top three. I, I would Bring say. for the fences. You know me. The first one that comes to mind is lead by example. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes back for me to, to the, the honesty, like, if you ask people to do it, do it yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mo- model what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Um, I would say, and it's something that I've learned with you, but saying no doesn't mean that you're not showing up for your people. Um, and it's it's difficult. It's It's very difficult. And I'm pretty sure that everyone who's listening to their podcast, it's, it's, we have a tendency. We have a tendency to say yes. And because we care, mm-hmm. we want to say yes. And it's just natural. It's because we start from like, but I care so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned, though, that sometimes saying no was also a really good way to show that I care. Because I'm going to go back to lead by example. Mm-hmm. It was important for me to sometimes say no because it meant that I would take time for myself and as I was taking time for myself, I was allowing my people to actually feel that they can take time for themselves. Yes. So Preach. It's a bit of a spiral, but I have to say I'm recovering from that habit. Um, I still sometimes <laughs> I'm saying yes. And then I'm like, I should have said no. Um, but I think it's one of the best leadership advice that I ever had. Like it's it's a good one. Yeah. Boundaries are so important because it, it, we're dead in the water as a leader if we're not respecting our bandwidth. And that's the reality is if we're saying yes, 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 where we should be saying no, again, we're taking away from our impact and it will ripple effect into the lives of our people. Yeah. And I think going back to when I said like, I have a tendency to shield my people I was saying yes because I didn't want them to be overworked or overloaded. And, but then I realized that I was actually not giving them the opportunity to step up. Ah, what do you mean by that? Because some so, people really legitimately don't understand that piece around empowering growth, right? Is actually sometimes stepping back allows them to see what they're made of. 
Well, it's just your belief. Your belief is my job is to care. So then you're like, okay, like I'm going to hold it. That's, that's my role. But if I go back to what I said at the beginning and I reframe it and I say, my job is to make people grow. Mm -hmm. It's different. Like I'm going to care if I want to, if I want them to grow, but if caring is my goal, the way I'm going to behave is going to be very different. So for me, now that my goal is to make people grow, it actually means that sometime they have to take more because, well, that's the reality of business. So not, and it doesn't mean that I have to just throw it at them. Like I can mm-hmm. still be there. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it's, it's, it's a good lesson for me. And it's just changing the mindset It's like, why am I doing it? And I, am I doing it for the right reason? Mm-hmm. Um, and people usually when you explain them and I've realized this also is be honest like I say to people this is this is what I want and if I don't do this like hold me accountable I told you that this is what I would do if I do something that is incongruent or if my behaviors are incongruent just call it out I'm giving you the right to do it um, got so I, think- I got chills Jen it's just <laughs> It's so inspiring to hear you speak about this, you know, Um, because I really, I really do think it's what it is that we're on a mission to really, you know, help people understand is the power behind all this mindset strategy architecture work. I know we were riffing on this before we hit record on the podcast is like, you know, the fact that in the leadership space, there's a lot there's just such a gap. Like there's not a lot of leadership uh, training and development out there in terms of mindset, right? At, at Harvard did a study. Um, uh, we talked about this in a previous podcast where 365, a $365 billion spent globally on leadership development and training, 75% rate of those organizations rated it ineffective. And they distilled that as to why. And it was because they didn't even touch on mindset. You obviously have described a lot of mindset strategy in everything that you have like been able to roll out for us here and in our, in our audience today. What does mindset strategy mean to you? Hmm. Um, because it's something that I think our audience is new to as well. Um, you know, I, I don't think a, a lot of like people out there in the leadership community are even talking about this stuff from from a perspective of mindset. But I know you've you've been really impacted by our work. So what is uh, that? I'm going to rephrase your question. Um, so if there's one thing for me that I wish I had known earlier in my leadership journey, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get to the mindset. Yeah. Is being self-aware. And to your point, Susan, I worked with professional coach before. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that effective because they were giving me, I felt like they were giving me a toolkit and it was like, just apply it to every situation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, not every situation are the same. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And I wasn't really comfortable with like the toolkit strategy. And I was like, it's too generic for me. Mm-hmm. What I realized with you and working together is that the more you get yourself aware, the more you know the trigger, the mm-hmm. more you understand the emotion, mm-hmm. the more you understand what makes you react like this. Mm-hmm. And the more you can ask yourself, is my reaction the right reaction for the situation that is in front of me? Mm, and often, beautiful. it's not. <laughs> You're like, 
oh my God, this is my ego. That's it. My ego just kicked in yeah. and now I'm overreacting. So, so for me, from a mindset perspective, this is where taking care of yourself, setting boundaries and all of this, this is just, for me, it's the journey to become self-aware. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to when I say to my team, if I do something that is incongruent to what I've said I would do, Mm-hmm. This is exposing the self-awareness and say, like, this is who I want to be. Keep mm-hmm. me honest on, am I this person? So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but absolutely. I, I, I feel I should have known a long time ago. I think it's a beautiful answer to my question. And of course, in, in true Genevieve style, you make it your own. And I love that most about you. Um, Rob, is there anything else you wanted to ask our our guest before we let her go? No, no, we got to wrap up here. So Jen, I mean, maybe the last thing before, before we get you out of here is just, do you have anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Mm -hmm. Like what's your top leadership tip that they should go out and put in their business today? Oh, um, I would say I will, I will do a full circle. I'll go back to the beginning, but I would say learn to be a good follower. It's as important as being a good leader. Uh, I really feel that people think leadership is like the only skill that you have to build. But if you learn to follow, you learn to be a better leader because you notice what makes you follow some other leader. So I, 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 this is my own mission. That's my 2021 goal. I pay attention to who I follow because I think it makes me a better leader. I love it. And Jen, if, if people out there are, are looking to connect with you, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Geneviève Gay. Uh, they, will, they will find everything from a professional standpoint. And I usually I'm answering all my email there. So I'll be happy to connect. Perfect. And, and yeah, for everyone listening, I mean, first off, that was, that was an awesome podcast and there was a lot of great stuff in there. Like, you know, the vulnerability, the diversity and inclusion, just radical honesty, you know, following, like, I think something that, you know, just will mention is just following is, is leadership in a way as well. Right. And Mm -hmm. people don't think about it that way because they think the leaders at the front of the pack, but there's a lot of also some stuff around leadership being at the back of the pack and herding people together. And we'll get into that another time. That's for our next show. That's for our (laughs) next show. Um, But yeah, for everyone listening, you know, if you want to follow us, yeah. If you want to follow us, like first Jen's uh, (laughs) LinkedIn is in the podcast notes. You can follow Susan and I on LinkedIn as well. We'll put those in the podcast notes. If you want to subscribe to the newsletter and get ready for the next Leadership Launchpad Project program, go to elitehighperformance.com slash leadership. And you can put your email in there as well as you can see what Susan and I both offer. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Tell all your friends about it and share it around your workplace. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Jen. Bye, Bye, everybody.